This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome back to The Throwback. My name is Dan Hansis, joined as always by my bosom buddy, Bob Castrone. Hey, Dan, it's good to be back. Back in the shack. We're back. Is that you working on shtick? Because you got at some point as we get deeper into this, come up with kind of like your line to reply back to me. Back in the shack. Is that in the lead right now? That is, uh, it's like a Weezer reference. It rhymes. Is that late period Weezer? Very late. Wait, did you pull up a soundboard? Do we have a soundboard now? Was that me bombing? You know what that that was? Um, when Bob and I, when you live, when we lived in uh, El Contento, we called it in Hollywood, uh, and my wife and I, then girlfriend, were in a long distance relationship. Uh, we would have a lot of Skype conversations, and when she was telling a joke that would bomb, I would hit her with that as a sound drop in our conversations. True story. And somehow it just popped up on my computer. Somehow. So you're just going to, like, we, we take a couple of weeks off, and you're just going to come back with a soundboard and start throwing drops at me? Drops could be coming. Back in the shack. I don't know. I don't know. That's all. Well, all right. Number one, that's not going to be the phrase. Number two, I don't like you trying to recreate the ATN success of, hey, Dan, I'm not going to do it. Like, that's that. This is a different place. So you're saying you want to make this as organic as possible. I mean, if you want if you want nothing but catchphrases and bombing (laughs) sound drops, then maybe I'm open to it. But we have to have a talk offline, offline talk. I think this is our last episode of the show. And it's good if this is our last episode after that ugly falling out in the first two minutes. We're going out with um, the Strokes, which I'm very excited about. Um, I think for you and I, like our number one shared band, potentially. Potentially, it's, yeah. It's in the conversation. It's definitely in the conversation. One of like my favorite bands of all time. Same for me. So this is a very exciting episode, and we should um, check in with the listeners. Thank you to all the listeners, of course, who have been uh, following along with the show and giving us feedback on uh, at throwback pod on Twitter. Um, last last week, of course, we talked about uh, live and throwing copper. That wasn't easy. That wasn't an easy episode uh, for Dan. But... It wasn't an easy episode for some listeners either who did not want to listen to live. <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you got it. So deal with it. But anyway, so we did ask. We At some point in the conversation, um, the idea that Ross and Rachel from Friends were were banging uh, to live hits. All over up. you, I believe. All over me. Yeah. Yeah. All over you was the song uh, that they were making love to. When and, the camera stopped rolling. Like right. when when Marta In this world. Co- when Marta Kaufman went home. <laughs> See, that adds another layer to it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. They're, they're like puppets. Like. <laughs> All right, not that. But no. But in this world. In the when, universe. Yes, when they would retire to one of those two bedrooms. Uh, in their palatial loft in the village, they would make love to Ed Qualchek's one of his big modern rock hits, uh, and that led to the hashtag uh, Phoebe be banging because we got stuck on what Phoebe was banging to because that we, couldn't we, figure it we out. Couldn't figure that one out, and uh, the listeners stepped up. Yeah, I'll just go through some of them. Uh, let's see, and Bob, I'll, I'll just go down the list. You tell me if you think it's it's a good one or a bad one. Uh, the Cowboy Junkies. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Soundgarden. Soundgarden's pretty intense. Maybe no, like Spoon. Eh. 
I don't think so. Yeah. Savage Garden. Tender. That's what Matthew Perry or uh, Chandler and Monica would probably be. Savage Guard. Uh, Bjork came up a couple times. I think Bjork is the correct answer. I think I tweeted back at somebody that that was it. Human yeah. behavior. It's oh so quiet. It's oh so quiet yeah. is for sure. Uh, Deep Inside of You by Neil Diamond. Guns and Roses. Someone tweeted at us. Phoebe would be fucking to Radiohead for sure. <laughs> I like how confident yeah, that very guy confident. is. Very confident. Yeah. Uh, also, someone wrote, also would be banging to Romstein after Hank Azaria came back from Minsk. <laughs> I like Minsk. I don't remember that episode. I forgot Azaria was a love, love interest. We also got, I think, um, we got a few texts about this as well. Our friend uh, Renee, I think, hit the nail on the head, too. The Breeders Cannonball. Oh, Yeah, I could see right. that. The way it sort of builds and it gets kind of crazy. That makes sense. Phoebe, That's kind of Phoebe. Yeah. So there you go. I think we figured it out. It, it, it's, it's either the Breeders or Bjork. Either one works. Probably both of them. She was an active woman and, and proud of her sexuality. That's how she always came off to right. me anyway. But uh, thank you to all the listeners who um, who reached out and tweeted at us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I actually have been getting a lot of texts, too, and like DMs. Not that many. Though. No, a few. In fact, yeah. um, your coworker Greg Rosenthal, uh, DM'd me. Today. He did. He did. So he's, uh, he's supporting your podcast more than you supported his old podcast, <laughs> number one. The Anthony Jeselnik um, Vanity Project? Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, no, he made a, he reached out today to say, uh, absolutely. Here's the uh, here's the DM. Absolutely dying. So this is about the Coldplay episode. Absolutely dying when you said the scientist was the greatest seatbelt safety song of all time. <laughs> the other guy stepped on it. <laughs> so throwing you and Mark Sessler under the bus in a DM. Very very cunning. You're getting good at this podcast thing, Bob, because. You just brought up that DM to show a good bit you had and also then causing dissension yes. in my other far more popular podcast. I've learned like from, I've learned from listening to your podcast. I've learned it from you, Dan. <laughs> learned it from you. Um, all right. So, yeah. And continue to hit us up uh, at uh, on Twitter and um, make sure you check out the Spotify playlist, which is starting to grow now. Uh, and uh, Bob, now it's time to turn our attention to today's subject. I can't just like pussyfoot around forever. No, no, we can't. can't just talk about Phoebe be banging forever. We need to focus on what was going on. If we're talking about the Strokes and we're talking about the debut album of the Strokes, that's taken us all the way back, Bob, to 2001. Right. Uh, when specifically in 2000? This was released in Australia first, then Japan, then the UK. It finally was released in the U.S. on October 9th. October 9th, 2001, uh, the Strokes debut album. So you're saying the Strokes debut album is going to be 16 years old in a couple of months. Going to be able to drive a car, potentially. Yeah. People always say that. It's like, oh, an album or a championship season in sports will be able to drive a car. It's it's not 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 going to drive a car person. That's a dumb, dumb it's it's an inanimate object. It's not even a, it's, you know, it's a recording. No, no, I get it. I get that, man. It's stupid. Well, do you want to know what else was happening in October, 2001? They can't, it can't drive. It can't drive. Yes. Uh, I would like to know about Well, on October 23rd, the first iPod was released. Oh, how about that? That's good. And the logo of this very podcast, I think is the first generation iPod. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that's let's not skip over that, Bob. It's big. It's deal. big. There was, when did you get an iPod? I, you know what? I was stupidly like being a dick about getting an iPod. I waited a while. I was like, I don't need it. I got my disc man. I'm fine. 
I don't need to jump on that trend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was stupid. So when did you get it? I'm trying to think. I was at maybe 2004. Does that okay. sound right? Yeah. What about you? I, I got the limited edition How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb YouTube oh. iPod. <laughs> it was red and black, and it had the uh, the signatures of each of the band members on the back. I believe I got it for Christmas 2004. Did you just wake up? It was in your stocking, and you didn't ask for it. You two <laughs> likes that move. You two just likes. I got slam. it. You got that one. All right. Good call back, Rob. Thank you. Uh, what else? The movies that came out that month: Donnie Darko, the absolutely lovely romantic comedy Serendipity. Who was in Serendipity? That was uh, John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And I'm stealing your AV wire for a second because okay. there was one other movie that came out that to? month. Just want to plug this in here. See oh, if you remember. Excited right now. See if you remember this movie. Uh, it's a movie I saw in the theaters in October 2001. Fix this in editing. Hey, you guys want some cookies? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my God, is that a? Um, oh, who is that little shit from SNL? Chris Kattan vehicle? Yep. Do you remember? Yes, do you remember the name? Uh, it wasn't it. It was kind of like a Paul Blart movie. It was like Little Squirt, uh, the security guard or something. No, not a security guard. Squirt, the FBI agent or something. Squirt is not in the title. It was Corky Romano. Okay. <laughs> That's close. Saw it in the theaters. Why did you see Corky Romano? Because in the of theaters? that. Because of that line right there in the commercials. Is it? You know what it was. Also, you know, this is post nine eleven, and everybody's like, "Hey." Is it okay to laugh? Is comedy still alive? The answer after Corky Romano came out was no. It's no, over. Comedy was done. <laughs> I never came back. You paid like eight dollars to see Chris Kattan vehicle. I probably brought my girlfriend and paid sixteen. <laughs> I do like you guys like some cookies. <laughs> Wasn't he on cocaine or something in that scene? Uh, no, he was. Know. Who knows? I he, did see it. He was on point. cocaine when he made it. I'm sure. We could probably get Chris Kattan on the show next week. Chris we Kattan, if you're listening, come on, talk about Corky Romano. Well, you're, wait, no? Well, 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 Chris, we'll consider you if you want to reach out to us. <laughs> if you have an album that you're passionate well, about. Well, you might get bumped if somebody else yeah. shows up. All right. Anything else, Bob? Uh, I think that's it. I think I wanted to go out on that one. Okay. Oh, the number one song yes. in the country this is my, when, my this, when this album came out was this. I keep on falling. Mm. I say, God damn, it's a good song. Sometimes I well, love that you. That's how I express my soulful self. No, I know, I know. That's yeah. what you do. Fallen, Alicia Keys. Off songs in A minor. I believe she was like 18 or 19 years old when this song came out. That's crazy. And uh, this was a monster hit. Oh, my goodness. It's a great song. Is this the chorus? Yep. Pop it up. Yeah, that's probably, I would say, we. this is our seventh episode, I think. That would be probably my number one callback song. I think so, yeah. I would listen to that all the way through. But, Bob, you and I were not sitting around a campfire. That's weird. Listening to songs in A minor. We were listening to Is This It by The Strokes. Oh. 
Is this it, Bob? Is this it? A seminal offering from the New York City-based band, The Strokes. And definitely, for me, one of the most important albums in my life. Likewise. I'll, I'll start right there, and I think you feel the exact same way. Yeah, it was, it was the first good album I heard in basically my college career. Music was awful when we were in college. From 98 to 01, it was just crap. It was like Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock. Corn. Corn, U2. And then whoa, this. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Do we need to go back to pumping up the credentials of all that you can't leave behind? All right, again? fine, fine, fine. So then this Four album. Grammys, Bob. So then this album came out, <laughs> and it was just, did not sound like anything else. And it was fucking amazing to yeah. all of a sudden have a new band that you, I was obsessed with. It was um, totally different than anything else. But of course, if you knew. Rock history, which at that point I didn't know what kind of a lot of people said, oh, bands like Television and Lou Reed and Velvet Underground were all huge influences. There were bands that I actually went back and discovered because of the strokes, because I had never heard this type of music before. And it was like so different and fun and new. And this is a great way to start the album because it's just kind of like doing its own thing it's, it's very, just like it's warming you up yeah it's kind of minimalist and he and julian casablancas who we'll talk about a lot here his vocal deliveries almost sounds bored this is a lot different than it's what was going bored, on, on the radio. it's like i couldn't i didn't know if there was like distortion on it or what was happening with his voice like it was just immediately engaging yeah so um yeah so this can't i think and we'll get to it there was this album wasn't like a huge commercial seller by any stretch. I know that. Yeah, not crossover pop-wise, but but importance-wise, it was tremendous Like as far as like the whole movement. And it was like an album that um, you could be proud of saying that, hey, you, if you heard the new Strokes album, like that was part of the fun thing about it because they were such a, it was such a cool sound and a cool new band and, and it was... Uh, for at a time where there was just not a lot of options, all of a sudden this drops out of the sky and it was a band you could be proud of and say, yeah, this is a, a new music out there that I'm like all about. I I remember still, I remember being at our, our friend Christine's house at um, when colleges broke uh, for Christmas and we were listening to her at her house, which is kind of weird if you remember, like being at Christine's house, why would is this it be playing it's just i think we were just all so in love with the album that we were playing it everywhere all the time and uh get uh, getting the feels a little bit thinking we're, about we're excited in case you can't tell like this is an album that we're both i just can't wait to listen to the whole thing let's move on to track two the modern age so this i believe was the first single was it? Wait, over, I'm going to hit up my friend Wikipedia. Overseas, I believe this was it, or maybe the first EP. I believe the first EP. And it's a great introduction to their sound, like their actual sound. Not that the first song wasn't, but this is more what they sound like. Let's hear it. Ooh, I wanted to go yeah, right yeah, into yeah, the vocal yeah, I thought and you I blew had it. it. I thought you had it. It's been a while since we've listened. Wait, say, kind of wrap up. Oh, should we do there. this again? Do it again, quick. All right, we'll completely organically do this. It's kind of like the perfect like time to do it like this. <laughs> oh, I blew it. That was never I did it close. On 
So the whole rollout of the album was strange. There is, we'll get to it later in the album. There was a song called New York City Cops um, that was taken off the American release after 9-11 uh, and replaced with, I believe, Trying Your Luck, was it? No, no, uh, When It Started. When It Started. Yeah. Uh, there were different covers on the album. Yeah, we got, we'll get, well, I, think, I feel like we'll get to this. I feel like the U.S. got, got boned when it comes to Is This It? I think like the U.K. release, way better. Okay. All right, we will get to that. But anyway, this uh, I'm just checking out that the singles were the U.S. singles. This was not the first U.S. single. So I think it was their e- singles. Oh, yeah, I think it was their EP. Um, but this was an EP before. Is this it? Do you remember age? how you found the Strokes? Because I definitely think I downloaded off of like Kazaa three songs, and this was one of them. I think it was this. In her prime, which was a song that uh, never was released over here, and I can't remember the other one, but I I had him on. I think I burned a CD and I would bring it to the gym with me when I was going to Towson as a senior. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Like I would think it would most likely be um, last night, the the big single off the album. And I remember it's, it's it's weird to think about this now. We were seniors in 2001, 2002. Uh, because we were aging, Bob. So that's yeah. a long time ago, bro. This whole podcast is just a reminder of that. Yeah, uh, that we will die and, and sooner than we might realize. How are you getting so dark while Four the years. modern age is playing? Okay. Four years will be dead. Oh, cool. Both of us. Um, no, but I, I was still watching MTV uh, back yeah. then. And let the last night video was getting a lot of airplay. So I could have gotten it there. There was a file sharing, internal file sharing service. At Northeastern, which was a uh, which is a college in Boston where I went, that had this. It was a very 2001 concept that could never be replicated today for a, a number of reasons. There was no security at all. Basically, if you signed up to this thing called Direct Connect, you had access to the shared hard drives of every other student on campus. So you could like literally find out what were like the porn habits of the guy that was in your public speaking class. It was a very this is a terrible idea. Wide open, wild, wild west scenario. And one of the good things for uh, this was, and you, you know, for if you wanted to get videos of some kind, there was it was all there for you. Uh, but obviously, a lot of music. Napster um, started at Northeastern actually, and I think last night, which we'll get to again. That's probably how I found them. It wasn't like you were tra- trying to tell like a story how you're cool. It was some you were like surfing like the the clubs of baltimore and then he saw this gritty band called the strokes wait a minute that was nothing like my story i don't know <laughs> i don't know what you were doing when i was talking i was downloading shit from a i computer. was reading wikipedia i was on kazaa there's nothing cool about that yeah they were the, they were playing for just a custodian and a drunk guy passed out at the bar and i walked in and i said these guys are the next big thing you said well that, right? i know i do but here here's the closest thing i have to that one of my concert regrets and like we all have them is I remember the Strokes were playing in Virginia in like October, November, right after this album came out. And I liked them, but I didn't know enough. I didn't like love them yet, but I was intrigued and I wanted to go and I did not go down to Virginia. It would have been a ride. It would have been a whole thing. 
but that would have been amazing. That, yeah, I, I think the first time I saw them was the following tour. We saw them. Um, I don't remember. It was somewhere in New York. It might have been the Beacon Theater. We saw them a couple times. We saw them at the theater at the Garden. Wasn't that the first that, time you and I saw them together? Was that when Regina Spector opened? Yes, in the Kings of Leon. And you were late because you couldn't get a cab. It's, it's tough to live in Hoboken. That Hoboken life was tough, Bob. You don't know what it was like. I don't. Um, yeah, so that was the first. That was the first. I think it, I ended up seeing, and we probably went almost every time together, at least at least three or four times. Yeah, at least, at least. five times, something like that. But uh, yeah, so you had a chance to see the Strokes on the "Is This It" tour, and you blew it. You're saying yes. That's rough. 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 All right. Here's track three, Soma. All these songs are so fun and immediately accessible and like they all have great kind of catchy parts. Every song has a fun little hook to it. They're all quick. We started this podcast with Be Here Now when the by Oasis when the first three tracks totaled over 20 minutes in length. Uh, This album in total uh, um, is, I believe, less than 40 minutes. And the... I'll just go right down the list. 231, 328, 233 for this song. Um, everything's around three minutes, a little bit more, a little bit less. They get right to the point. Yeah, and I liked punk music at a certain point in my life. Um, I don't know if I wasn't really aware didn't. of that, but... No, you know... I, I don't want to blow up your spot here. What? Was this you in the punk clubs of Baltimore? No, I'm saying... <laughs> I liked, you know, Rancid and you oh, know, yeah, that's bands right. like that okay, in high okay, school okay. and stuff. But and they were saying, like, you were at C- CBGB's in well, yeah, 78. You forgot about my mohawk, <laughs> my, like, mohawk and the piercings and stuff. I can a- absolutely vouch that you were a Rancid fan and you liked early period Green Day. So <laughs> exactly. I will give you, you were a hardcore punk fan. I, first of all, nobody said hardcore. Uh, but listening to this, it has, like, those punk elements, like short songs uh, not like you know hardcore punk, but it has like that. I'm losing my train of thought because I'm annoyed that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean to, to you know attack your punk credentials. My punk cred. I had punk cred. <laughs> you were the biggest Rancid fan I had. All I right, knew I, I, that. That by far that is accurate. I was the only Rancid fan in Pearl River. Um, should we talk real quickly before we move into? All these songs are fun and great. I love the first three tracks. There's something punky about these songs is what I was getting to. That's yeah, all. I got you. I'm with you, Bob. Okay, thank you. I'm with you. But I feel like right starting at track four is when the album starts to take off into legendary status. Yes. Um, I want to stop there and just um, bring up, not only did they come with a totally new type of music uh, when being a fan of rock music when you really needed it the most, uh, they also changed they looked totally different people started to dress like them uh all of a sudden they were really they're a very cool looking band oh yeah uh i think that goes back to the point again that uh um it was just cool to say you were a strokes fan because they were they were a band that you were like 
they were unassailable. Like nobody could in 2001, nobody was going to say, oh, they're they're lame. It was like, no, that's not going to happen. They had every they had the look. They had the music. Uh, they made everything else around them. I, it's almost how Nirvana might have been like in 10 years earlier when they showed up and then there was all the hair metal shit all around them and they made everybody look ridiculous instantly. Like that's what Julian Casablancas made Scott Stapp look like to me. Right. Just a total character to her uh, jugheads that needed to be wiped off the face of the planet, which they kind of were. Yeah. No, in 2001, there were only two things everybody could agree on. The Strokes and Corky Romano. That was it. Everything else was. You guys want some cookies? Still works. It still gets me. So Corky Romano. You since you brought it up, let's swing back to it a second. Romano was a simpleton of some kind. His father <laughs> was not proud of him. Yeah, yeah, that sounds and, right. And um, he ended up getting recruited to be undercover in the he, Federal he went, Bureau of Investigation. He went undercover with some sort of mob family. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then what happened? <laughs> I want to know. Sa- save it for the Corky Romano podcast, the Chris Catan yeah. Deep Cuts podcast. And then he has a love interest. Wow. Which is outrageous, right? Yeah. Do you remember who it was? It was somebody legitimately hot. Don't, am I, I going to have to hit the Google on no, this? No. Do we have to? Let's no, keep talking about the strokes and no. less about Corky Romano. No, we're doing Corky. All right. Well, I want to, I'll take this moment to apologize to our listeners. Did not think we were going to go during the possibly the coolest band that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, take detours to talk about the lamest movie we could find. Eleven million dollar budget, Bob. For wow. <laughs> um, the love interest. Oh my God! It was Vanessa Shaw. Remember her? Wasn't that the girl from? Oh, I thought that was the girl from Kingpin. All right. I'm just imagining somebody who sees The Strokes is this it on Headgum and thinks, "Oh, I can't wait to hear like two guys talk about this cool album." <laughs> And we're just devolving into how much money Corky Romano made. I'm right. sorry. I'll move on in a second. All right. But I will read you just the um, the cover. <laughs> You're not the moving poster on. This is... From two of the producers of The Waterboy. That's how they sell the picture. Okay. The world's most dysfunctional mafia family has a new weapon against the FBI. I'm going to have to revisit this because you paid money for it. I mean, technically, the throwback podcast, we're open to throwback to anything. We could do a whole Corky Romano episode. We should do some throwback movies. That's something right. when we start to diversify our portfolio. Right, right. When this really gets airborne. But that's when we Corky we, Romano's episode one. We farm that off eventually to two kind of schlubbier versions of us. That sounds rough. Yeah, that, not a good place to be. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Here Detour we go. ended, Bob. I know you were getting nervous there, but I needed to check it out. <laughs> uh, track four. Like I said, speaking of airborne. This album's going next level now. is the longest song on the album coming in it coming in at a staggering three minutes and 54 seconds barely legal um i fucking love this song yeah let me say maybe underrated in the context of the whole album this is so good it's pretty much yeah 
if, if you're looking again, the whole album's pretty flawless, but a perfect distillation of what the Strokes were, and I guess are. Barely legal, kind of covers all the bases. One element that was cool about this album that made me feel cool was that it was an album I genuinely loved. And then when the year end album, you know, reviews came out or the lists came out, it was on top of every single one. And like that, it doesn't always happen. Like a lot of times I'm disconnected from whatever the number one pitchfork media album is. But Yeah. And even if, and it is held up also in the sense that if, it did cross, first of all, it crossed it all bounds. So Rolling Stone, for instance, not that I know the list, but I can guarantee you it's going to be listed in the top 10 albums of the 21st century. And Pitchfork, which is, you know, a, a, some would say kind of a snooty website where they they actively try to sometimes go away from things that are popular in, in, in pursuit of um, hipsterdom, they're going to put the strokes in the same spot. That album... This album is always going to be atop almost every list because it was universally seen as a masterwork. And this song's a perfect example. Again, it's very, everything is so compact. Everything is, it's almost like, it's almost robotic in the way it sounds because uh, everything seems to be so perfectly timed and the beats are so tight. And, Oh, the drums. I I wondered when I listened to it for the first time if that was a drum machine because it's so, like, succinct and perfect. Yeah. So that And all the music sounds like that. And then I guess what kind of is cool about it, then on top of it, is Casablanca's, um, his delivery is kind of like the opposite of that. It's kind of, it's kind of a bit of a drawl. Lethargic. Lethargic, kind of, he's got a lazy tone if that makes any sense. So it, it was a great like contrast that worked perfectly. Julian Casablancas, where does he, uh, where does he rank Bob for you? All time front men uh, for you. Like in terms, he... in terms of hotness, is that what we're talking about? Uh, I mean, you could go down that road <laughs> if you, if you want to wax poetic about him. Yeah, he was, he was an incredible frontman. It was like, he was so cool. He was like, he was effortlessly cool. Kind of had the Liam Gallagher. They were not like they were. They weren't alike. I bet they would. They would either get along, or they would hate each other. Mm-hmm. But they both kind of definitely marched to the beat of their own drum, uh, and they both could wear the hell out of a leather jacket, right? Um, Which is important. We talked about that on the Oasis podcast. I wouldn't say Liam always had a great haircut. Julian Casablancas always had the greasy hair, but that worked for him. Yeah, he was a mess. But we've seen him. We've seen drunk Julian Casablancas in concert and sober. Yes. And I remember just, I loved drunk Julian just stumbling around the stage and like picking up a beer, taking one sip and then throwing it away <laughs> and seeing a little lackey run out and give him another beer yeah, it was like throughout the entire show. It was, we saw him, we saw them, like we said, we probably saw them five times or so. We saw him at the summer stage at Central Park, which I have never, I would never mm. been there before or since. But that's a great place to see a concert. Yeah. I don't even know if it exists anymore. I have no idea. Probably does. Um, but um, so that was, I think it was like summer. Uh, it must have been summer of 03 or 04. And um, and he was bombed. <laughs> and if you, oh, yeah. He was talking shit about the Red Sox. I remember that. Which makes sense. Given yeah. Given the time, time frame. Yeah. Uh, he was absolutely obliterated. And then if you read about... Uh, if you read about the band, 
um, it's it's sad. It re- it's sad actually. It's, it's sad that he cleaned up. Not that he cleaned up because he'd probably be dead if he didn't. Just like um, Albert Hammond Jr., uh, who had a major drug problem that Ryan Adams got him into potentially. Did you read that? Have you read Oral this history? book? Wait, have you read this book yet? The Meet Me in the Bathroom. I want to read it. Are you okay. working on it? No, I can't read anymore. I have two kids. I haven't read a book uh, in years. Said. Yeah, the, I apparently Meet Me in the Bathroom is the definitive uh, book on the rise of the New York music scene in the early aughts. Yeah, but that and is one of the stories that came out it. came out in the blogs was that Ryan Adams uh, got Albert Hammond Jr. like hooked on heroin. Smack. Smack. We're not talking weed. We're not talking pills. We're not talking coke. <laughs> Fucking H. Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams. The guy that sings about New York and and I'll always love you, New York. I like Ryan Adams. Actually. I love Ryan Adams. We, uh, but we what gotta, does he get off? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I love you, Ryan Adams, but don't kill a stroke. I mean, that's fucked up. He arguably, arguably the most important stroke. Or yes. the second most important stroke. I know we, can, don't we can't, kill a stroke. Don't yeah. rank these strokes in order the of basis. importance. Aww. You could take the bass as one of the rhythm guitars if you had to. If you wanted to get one of them hooked on Crank. Is Crank the same as Smack? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, uh, I think Crank is actually... Um, I don't know. All right, let's just move on to the next song. <laughs> I'm not done, Bob. No, I know you're not. That's why I'm trying to move on to the next song. <laughs> but, uh, Fabrizio, the drummer. Yeah. You can get him hooked on Smack if you have to. All right, hold on. What? The other two guys. But don't touch... Don't touch Julian and don't touch Albert Hammer Jr. I don't know exactly what you're advocating for here, but I'm just going to agree with you. So can move I, on. I just feel like I just feel like Ryan Adams has some balls to fuck with the most important uh, rock band of the 21st century. And also this guy. Oh, I'm Ryan Adams. I love you, New York. Are you kidding me? And then you literally launch a war to destroy the most important band in New York. <laughs> He was worse than Bin Laden. All right, now now these are some hot takes that I don't know we can pick that up. Through. Pitchfork. <laughs> Jeez. What? All right, now now right, now, I've got now okay yeah yeah that feels right. All right, track five. This is uh, I believe yes, it was the third and final single released off. Is this it? It is some day. This is a perfect pop song. Yep. Three minutes and three seconds of perfect, concise pop rock music. This is the poppiest to me they ever were. And part of me wishes oh, they... Oh, I don't know about that. Really? What was more kind of radio... Fr- I guess you could make a case for last night, obviously. But this... I, I mean, listen to Yeah, this. I get what you're saying. Let's listen to more. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know what this also is? My favorite Strokes video. I was going to bring up the video. It's one it's, of my favorite videos, period. Yeah. It, it, uh, if you remember it, it is... Um, basically, it's two, two videos. Two parts of a video. One part is the kind of classic behind the scenes with the cool rock band. But it, because you're the Strokes and you're the coolest band to come around in uh, a generation... The people you're hanging out with, it's like Slash in a dingy... And guided by voices. East Village bar, and there's... Uh, and you're hanging out, and you're drinking your beers, and smoking cigarettes, and playing darts, and like fucking around with each other, and you look cool. And then the other half of it is on the, st- on the set of Family Feud, For where no you're, it's the strokes against guided by voices... With who was the host at the time, Bob? That was Richard Karn. Very good, Bob. Richie Karn, Dick Karn, <laughs> by far the worst um, Family Feud host. Man, you're just you're just taking bold stances in this podcast. Because if you're gonna put Ray Combs one, wait, no, I want to talk about so many other things about this song and this album, and not about Ray Family Combs Feud one. hosts. Just go through, go through it. Combs Make it quick. Obviously, Ray Combs is number one. <laughs> Combs one. Uh, Richard Dawson, you gonna throw him a bone just because he was the the original? OG, yeah, yeah. Um, was Steve Harvey there? He's there now. Oh, he's the current Family Feud. Guy. Yeah, yeah. He's done a nice job. I'm putting him <laughs> in third. <laughs> Even Louis Anderson, there. shaky, shaky. Did not like Louis, but still beats out Karn. All right, you're right. Let's bring up the caboose. All right, you're right. When you're right, you're right. Um, well, I was going to talk about, yeah, because ahead. you mentioned the video. I'm going to get a beer because they drink beer in the video. Get me one, too. And they're having so much fun in it, so I'm going to drink. Here we oh, go. We've had uh, listeners ask what we're what we're drinking during these uh, tapings. Tonight, we're both drinking Pacifico. Come at, come at us. Dan is, uh, Dan is struggling to, to get to the fridge. But what I was going to say, Dan, speaking of the video and those dingy East Village bars, yeah. uh, how cool was it living in New York in... There's we moved there in 2002. How great was it, like being there on the heels of the Strokes, kind of revitalizing that area? Blake. There we go. Um, and going to those same bars where you'd like walk into a bar like Hi-Fi and be like, "This used to be Brownies, and this is where the Strokes used to perform with the Yeah Yeah Yeahs." And it was so cool to kind of experience it. Not firsthand. We didn't get to see them at that phase of their career, but just like be in that environment. Yeah, like we weren't um, a member of some uh, elite class of cool New Yorkers where we were hanging out with these people, but it was very cool to to be in this world when that world was peaking, basically. Like I imagine it's like Seattle 93. Right. And for instance, like we were just talking about, Meet Me in the Bathroom which, by the way, is one of the great Stroke songs off a follow-up album after Is This It. Um, that whole book is based upon the idea that the New York music scene became revitalized and exploded right after we graduated college and like moved into the New York City uh, area. And it's like, it's pretty cool looking back. Yeah. and I'm happy about and- that. And we almost hung out with them once. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah. All right, tell the story, Bob. You should tell the story. Well, God. I'm going to start Alone Together. That's a good idea. Because right, it's a nice get... little break. Alone Together is a, a, a nice song, uh, but it's kind of, it, 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 it suffers from being sandwiched by some of the greatest songs of this uh, decade. I agree. It has a great guitar solo. All right, here we go. Alone Together, right. track six. Mm-hmm. 
So back in 2003, uh, I had a blog. Humble brag. Not at all. I was waiting for you to say something. Um, was this, uh, this was my blog is poop. Yes. Right? It was called my blog is poop. And you won a Peabody for that. Didn't I you? won several Peabodies for that, Dan. <laughs> Don't undersell it. Uh, no, your blog, it did well. It Apple, did well. No, uh, I, it definitely yeah. did better than my blog, uh, uh, Apple pop life. Well, your blog, Didn't I feel really like get off the ground. I feel like my blog is poop was kind of like this rhinoceros. And then there were some other blog like little birdie blogs that got on my back and apple pop life was one <laughs> some of my other friends they would just like throw these little blogs together but my blog is poop was the behemoth it's good to know it. that like that didn't go to your head though. it went right to my head uh it was uh yeah it was just a dumb blog where i wrote dumb stuff that's what blogs were in 2003 and uh, it should have always been it should have always been and uh i had a girl Notice how i don't have a problem when we go off script to talk about something that you're passionate about like you're once popular blog. This is context for the story about us almost hanging out with the Strokes. It's not. How is Richard Karn have nothing to do with Family Feud and someday the video by the Strokes? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. How does Karn have nothing to do with it? Nobody said that. <laughs> right, so, uh, yeah, so this girl reached out to me on IM or however it was, and we started talking, and it turned out she worked for the Strokes record label. She worked for. What was it? Oh. I know, I can't believe it. Ryan. Gentles was the guy. I'm drawing a blank right now. I remember applying to work there like seven times. If you pulled it out, it's so yeah. obvious. I'm so annoyed that it, I'm not getting this right now. Well, we, we she worked there. And yeah. She proved it by sending me like MP3s of unreleased songs at the time. And it was pretty cool. So one day she was like, we should hang out. I'm going to be with the guys tonight in the East Village. You should come. So I, I feel like this is right around... Um, Halloween for some reason. Yeah, I think it was. So uh, I asked her if I could bring a friend. She says yes. So uh, I get Dan in the city. You hopped on the path. You came from Hoboken. I did. And uh, we met in the, I want to say it was like West Village area. And she we did. We met it off the wagon, I believe. Maybe. Then we get drinks there to start. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And she, uh, she was supposed to call me with the location. And I called her and she's like, oh, still at work. I'll get right back to you. And so Dan and I went to a bar. We drank. I kept, you know, waiting for her to call. I didn't want to be desperate, but like this was going to be the greatest night of our lives. This also was, yeah, pre like texting being a bigger thing. And so you actually would have to be making calls. Yeah. It wasn't the record label, Bob. It was the management, WizKid management. WizKid management. Thank you. Yes. Um, Yeah. So. I called a few times and then like it would go to voicemail and it was just, it was so frustrating as we walked in circles. Like we stopped drinking. We just walked around in circles up and waiting. Down, we were waiting. waiting for this, this girl to give us a lifeline because it went for, I do remember we, we had a few, we didn't want to get too drunk, uh, but we were having drinks in the bar. And we were talking about how surreal the possibility was and, like just think, having fun with the idea of it. I think Fabrizio had just started dating Drew Barrymore, so like maybe she would be there. Oh, we gotta we gotta yeah, share well, the Drew yeah, Barrymore yeah, story yeah. later too. Um, yeah, uh, and, and then and then we just ultimate ultimate disappointment. Did phone, not the phone through. never rang. Phone never rang, and that was it. At a certain point, we're just standing by the path. It was like two a.m. Like we really, we really waited it out. First of all, it's adorable. We didn't want to get too drunk. Oh, yeah. Um, but fucking so sad. Cute bros. 
there is a gigantic bug in the garage right now that's going to kill us. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't meet the strokes, uh, but there is an alternate reality where we do end up at that party and then just stand in the opposite corner of the room and stare at them. (laughs) That's all that would have happened. For 45 minutes till they leave. I had planned on introducing them to heroin. So. Damn. I know. Sliding doors, bro. Sliding doors, man. I could have been in that book. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Now, the we like, or I should say, I like to say whenever we do these um, these fun little episodes, here is the song that most people know a band by, and this is the song that if you know the Strokes, this is the song you would know. If you only knew one Stroke song. Disagree. Last Night. Gorgeous song, a per- another perfect song. Song that, at least for me, changed everything. Like this was, this was the song that made me fall in love with the band, made them one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, listened to this constantly, and I think just this is the song that just like blew up the entire movement. Yeah, the, without this song, uh, um, the Strokes would have never been the Strokes because this did cross over. This got a lot of MTV airplay. This got good radio airplay, but uh, by no means was it a huge like pop hit. Right. But and this is when, again, it helps to be of the younger generation. We were somewhat lamenting last week about how, you know, how tough it was to fall out of the 21 to 34 demographic. That was rough. Right. Uh, Still not over. But the good thing about when you are in it and something big hits, it doesn't have to be a huge like pop hit to be a huge deal but this song was a huge deal if you were a early 20 something person it was inescapable great video they all look so fucking cool in it it's like they destroy a set in the 70s or something right yeah kind of I mean, there's yeah. not even really a concept they're just kind of in this cool little world their aesthetic was so good they were so good at creating like that aesthetic of like albert with his big hair nick this super hot dude shredding on the guitar uh, what was you thought he was really hot? Nick is super hot. Uh, Fab was way better looking than Nick no, to me, bro. No, 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 yeah, no. That's no, true. No. Yeah, that's true. See what she has to say. No, I know what Drew's gonna say, but I'm telling you, Nick, the hottest dude in the band. <clears throat> Listen, you know, good looking guys. It's a good looking band. Yeah. The the lead singer was the son of a, of a model, uh, so it's like they kind of. It was all a little bit, not to be cynical. It was all. A little bit calculated the band uh, a couple of the guys came from a lot of money julian came from the the model guy albert hammond jr the lead guitarist uh his father was like a big singer songwriter in the 70s if you know it never rains in california it never rains in california which is like one of the signature like pop folk hits of the 70s it was albert hammond uh so i'm sure he grew up comfortably i don't know 
how the the record deal worked out for Al Senior, but I'm sure Albert Junior probably lived, had a nice life. I think they met in private school yeah. in Manhattan, didn't they? Yeah, and it was great. I mean, that was you know when people were knocking the Strokes, that would be the knock. Is that that sort of element? But right, because they were like you were saying, they had the whole aesthetic, and they part of the thing was they kind of looked like dirt bags, right? But like stylish dirt bags. Uh, and then if you wanted to take a pop at them, you say like, well, they're rich kids. They're Manhattan rich kids that kind of made themselves look like they were slumming it. But hey, it's show business, baby. They were doing heroin with Ryan Adams. They were dirtbags. That's song- <laughs> yeah, Ryan Adams. You son of a bitch. Uh, that um, song, by the way, I didn't I never connect. We're both uh, Bob and I are both t- huge Tom Petty fans. Uh, that kind of opening guitar rift. Uh, riff is the uh, the bass bass line. Well, the guitar itself, right? The guitar itself, but I think they they've admitted to basically just straight up stealing the bass line. American Girl, which is one of Tom Petty's like signature uh, hit songs, and if you listen to uh, them back to back, it's it's pretty great. I don't think uh, Petty ever um, had an issue with it. I like that Petty let that one go, but then he'll go and like sue Ed Sheeran or whoever steals like. Song. Who's the guy that stole a song from him? Uh, you know what I'm thinking about. It's a pop song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was last night with uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. Maybe. No, no. Recently, this was a couple of years ago. Oh, was it? It was oh, the dude I, that, I do remember that, that "Stay with Me" song. It was basically "Won't Back Down." But anyway. Uh, by the way, 2006 interview with Rolling Stone, Petty commented, "The Strokes took American Girl." There was an interview that took place with them where they actually admitted it. That made me laugh out loud. I was like, okay, good for you. It doesn't bother me. It's weird that he wouldn't, when his regular voice, he wouldn't sound like Tom Petty, but then when he quoted himself. Yeah, that's weird. The Strokes are invited to be the opening act for several dates on Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers 2006 tour. Oh, man. I would have loved to. Tom Petty's the man. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, So last night. But yeah, talking about that video and the aesthetic. I had a big curly Jufro for a solid decade because of Albert Hammond Jr. Like, I feel like I would have never done that if he hadn't, you know, paved the way for curly Jufros. I always found I had a love-hate relationship with your Jufro Mm -hmm. in the sense Mm -hmm. that when you had it right, it was great. It was magnificent, yeah. But then when it got too long, it would kind of flop on the sides, and I didn't like it as much. Yeah, it would come down a little bit. It seemed like a hard thing to uh, hard balance. It was. And ultimately, you know, I decided in my, you know, mid 30s, it was just too much for me to maintain. I had a a wife, I had kids. (laughs) I can't spend all the time trying to find the perfect level of Jufro. But that was gone well before you got married, too, wasn't it? Wasn't it more a. uh, Yeah, it it got under control. Um, So, anyway, the song, I just want to, a couple more things because this is such an important song for this band. Uh, And you know what? The two guys in this garage, the two bros in the garage here. Who was on the cover of Maxim at this time, Bob? Were they just putting American flags on Maxim? Yeah, they they, they recalled all Maxims and replaced <laughs> them with a photo of George W. Bush. Uh, the first song by the Strokes to enter the American charts reached top five on the U.S. modern rock charts in late 2001. Oh, I would love to know what was ahead of last night, but I can't find it right now. Uh, and it was a, a pretty big hit, um, a huge hit in the U.K. where they had a really big following and still do number 14 on the UK singles chart. Uh, it is on the fi- top 500 greatest songs of all time um, for Rolling Stone and also their 50 best songs of the decade. NME, which is like the big Rolling Stone basically of the UK, placed it at number four 
on its 150 best tracks of the past 15 years. So there you go. Last night, Bob. I feel like I need to take a break after that song. Take a break. Let's take a break. All right. All right, break's over. We have a lot more album to get to. We do. Track eight, hard to explain essential strokes right here. single off is this it 2001 so at the end of every episode bob we do the spotify playlist for the throwback which you could find um i mean fucking figure it out spotify uh, but it's, right, also, it's right there in the title. Yeah, we if you uh, on Twitter again, where you can find us at, at Throwback Pod, uh, we we post the link there too. We have to pick one song off the album, and I don't want to officially nominate this for me, but I am thinking hard about this because this is amongst my very favorite. This is a Mount Rushmore stroke song for me. Hard to explain. Yeah, me too. Uh, Mount Rushmore again, another really cool video. Uh, this was the one where I was like, that has to be a drum machine. I don't think a person can do that. And and uh, Fabrizio did catch some crap for that, I guess, because some people said he was too robotic. But again, it, it gave it was part of their sound to me. I, I liked it. We were, we talked about Meg White a couple of weeks ago. Wait, can we listen to this part? Yeah, it's a good call. Instrumental break. You need bring it back again, but bring it back. Dan just turned into the Incredible Hulk. Yes. No, I climax that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I call it. (laughs) That's what you call it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what you've been saying all these years. Yeah, where I'm like, turn into the, <laughs> turn into the Incredible Hulk for me. It's like we're, we're, we'd have like late night, like crashing at like friends' apartments. Like, man, it's real Incredible Hulk in here. I'm yeah. hulking out over here. It's like, I thought you were just like joking around. No, no, I was cl- climaxing. I was trying to get you guys to climax. <laughs> I can't believe you never picked up on that. We would have had so much more fun if well, you did. I think it would have changed our relationship. Um Anyway, so Hard to Explain was the first single, uh, and it's so cool. I mean, you brought up the music. I'm glad you did, and, and I, that's why I held. When the music just stops, yeah, and then it just explodes again. I just love it so much. It released <laughs> June 25th, 2001, Bob. Uh, you know what's uh, not hard to explain, Dan? What, Bob? My love of this song. I'm working on catchphrases going back, you know, beginning of the episode. You know, you want me to kind of do more of I want of you to stick it up a little bit. Yeah. How was yeah. that? No? Well, you know, you went for it. Went for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So look at that. I mean, look at the, the, the track listing here. Uh, track four, 
barely legal. And I'm not, I am not dumping on the first three songs, but I'm just saying track four, barely legal. Track five, someday. Track seven, last night. Track eight, hard to explain. My goodness. And this is why the U.S. got boned. Tell us why, Bob. Well, what's coming up? Up next, track nine is When It Started. Yep. Why was a why was a boner thrust into the United States? Because this is the worst song on the album. Not a bad song. I don't hate it. It's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page. It's fine. But you know what song was supposed to be right here? New York City Cops. Okay, I'm going to look for that right now. Yeah, I think I, I have to have it in my court. You know what? I would, I would, I would want to call. I don't know if we're allowed to do this if it's against the Throwback Pod bylaws, but I would fucking stop the song right now and play New York City Cops the way that the Lord intended for this album to be played. Because that's what they wanted. Okay, let's do it. So they had to take it off. I stopped when it started, and you know whose fault it is. Richard Carnes. Karn, listen, Karn was five out of five uh, for feud, but no, it was Bin Laden's fault. Yeah. Because here's the song, New York City Cops. It is a banger. This is the the best song to see live, like the best song in concert. Like when this starts up in concert, the crowd went nuts. Every time I saw them. every, I remember going to show everyone just shit themselves. Yeah, literal shit like, all over the floor. And it was like gross and it smelled bad. It was like, we all get it. Clean up aisle five. That's how you get a catchphrase going, Bob. No, I didn't mean that at all. It's <laughs> so bad. should see Bob's face. So much jealousy. Because I just nailed that catchphrase. I mean, come the fuck on. <laughs> going, from hard to, going from hard to explain to this. Yeah. It, I would argue that it, that it's still a perfect album, but it is one of those things that, ah, uh, damn it. I just wish it would have been on it. And it's all because the chorus, which is coming up in a second here. Let's hear the chorus. So, if you were alive and you know what was going on after the September 11th attacks, uh, and there were so many um, firefighters that were killed and police officers in New York that were killed, the idea of a chorus that said, New York City cops, they ain't too smart. I get why the record company made the decision they did. It was a weird fucking time to be alive and yep. to be trying to move units of uh, records by rock bands, but... Obviously, looking back on it now, it just seems so silly. Right, but it wasn't at the time. Right. Like, I don't blame anybody for making that decision at the time. That makes sense, but selfishly, now, yeah. I mean, God damn it. But you can control... Listen, I, I do this myself. You can control on your on in your music. You know, when you listen to this album, you can just slide New York City Cops into it. 
That's what I do, and you you listen to it. But I just think it's important for our overseas listeners to know that, in this case, England wins. U.S. Revolutionary War. We got that one. Is this it? England. Mm. So it took, like, hundreds of years for the U.K. to strike back, you're saying. But they did, and I'd say even. (laughs) We're even now. When we did go the show that... um, the first time that I saw the Strokes when we went to the show, um, I think it was at the Beacon Theater. It doesn't matter. But Regina Spector opened, and then they did this song because they almost always do this song live, or maybe they do it every show they've ever done. I don't know. But um, Regina Spector came out on stage and did New York City Cops with the Strokes, which was a nice little treat. It's awesome. Yeah, I think they were dating. Um, makes sense. All right, n- track ten, the penultimate track, trying. Your luck. All right, I'm gonna use this. I like this song. It's a nice song. I'm gonna tell my Fabrizio story now, or a true story. It's not an easy one to tell. But a little backstory. Um, if you don't know me personally, you are not aware that uh, from, I would say, approximately 1998 through 2005, I was a huge, like, Drew Barrymore fan. That, she was my number one number, Hollywood girl. Number one crush. Yeah. Like, everyone has uh, a Hollywood crush. I wasn't, like, hiding out in her hedges or anything. No, you didn't know where she lived. I had no idea. Right, right. It was, you know, if I would have had a little better. It's weird that you know she had hedges. They were awesome hedges. Yeah, so that's, yeah, Very I mean, comfortable, too. A little bit of a reveal. But, um, but she was, like, my number one girl. And uh, and then, as so as fate would have it, I ended up becoming a huge fan of this band, The Strokes, whose drummer, uh, Fabrizio Moretti, yep. uh, entered into a relationship with Drew Barrymore, uh, around what was it, like 2003, 2004. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we went to Bob pulled some strings. I think his my blog is poop strings. He pulled. Let's yeah. You know what? Let's that's not it. But let's go with that. <laughs> um, and uh, no, I think it was your Viacom string. Yes, Bob. I was working at Best Week Ever. And uh, and we got into the Rolling Stone. It's like the 500th anniversary issue party. Yes. Yeah. The guy at the door. I was supposed to be on a list, but I wasn't. But the guy at the door thought he recognized me from TV, which was complete bullshit. So he like looks at me and says, oh, you're you're on TV. And I said, yeah. So he gave us VIP passes. So whatever list I was on would not have been VIP. We got to go right up to the VIP. He thought you were one of the members of the Rippers. <laughs> or no, what was Jesse? Jesse and the Rippers? No, that was that was John Jesse- Stamos. What was uh, Jesse the the VJ what Jesse was Camp and the Ninth Street Kids. Or he thought you were one of the Ninth Street. I don't kids. even know if that was the name of the band. <laughs> That's a weird <laughs> reference, but he thought you were the basis for the Ninth Street Kids. Whatever he thought, it was amazing. Open bar, we got to go up into the balcony. I mean, open bar, and the Strokes were the the headliner, and it was like basically the place to be in Manhattan that night. Eddie we... Vedder came out and played with the Strokes. And then uh, Lou Reed came out and did Walk on the Wild Side with the Strokes. I mean, come on. It was insane. Uh, and we, yeah, so to, long story short, while we're watching the Strokes, we're kind of off into the little, um, kind of was like a little side balcony, a VIP area that we got into. And lo and behold, there's Drew Barrymore. 
Just right in front of us. The girl of my dreams, my all-time uh, Hollywood crush uh, lady, and uh, I open bar. Open bar. And, uh, Can't I'm, understate the open bar. I'm 24 years old. Can't understate the open bar. <laughs> and I feel like, in, in this moment, I feel like I need to say something to Drew. Can't let this moment pass by. You're not in her, her hedges now. You, you have to understand, though, like, at this point, on some level, it checks out. When, uh, when will I ever get the chance to shoot the shit with Drew Barrymore. Uh, I'm watching one of my favorite bands. She's with the drummer. She's, so watch- I- she's watching her boyfriend. <laughs> I was single at the time, too. So maybe uh, again, can't understate the open bar. I mean, so we had everything. Uh, <laughs> everything was there for me to to make things weird. So I approached um, I approached Miss Miss Barrymore. <laughs> You're making it weirder by saying it. <laughs> And uh, I maybe you can help me out with this, Bob, because I'm trying to remember what I said exactly to her. Do you recall? I think it was when he's playing Walk on the Wild Side. I think I said something along the lines of. Well, I think I believe first you asked her if they've ever played this song before. Yeah, right. It was like that kind of thing. Like it was a little icebreaker for little me, icebreaker for you because this is you were just getting started. I think it started with a. I wasn't hey, talking her ear off. Hey, have they ever played this before? And she kind of looked over her shoulder and was like, "Yeah." And you were like, yeah. And like, I looked at you. I was in. You were in. That was it. And then the next line (laughs) went down in infamy. What was it? I I blocked it out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) You lean in. And I I don't know. How do you know? Did I tell you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't but know. Were the, you watching? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This was more exciting than watching (laughs) Eddie Vedder. Play juice box with the strokes. She looked good too. She looked real good. You, this was like uh, mid period Drew Barrymore. I don't know. It the, felt good. It felt I don't right. Know, I don't know the B side of the line, but I do know the A side was you leaned in and said, mm. oh, no. I don't want to sound like a creepy Drew Barrymore fan, oh, but fuck. And I don't know what, what, what the rest was, but you let it off with, I don't want to sound oh, like no, a creepy. No, Dan, no. Drew Barrymore fan. <laughs> it doesn't matter what Fart B was. Doesn't matter. Unless it was like, I would love to see your head in a box. <laughs> Which it might have been. But all I know is that happened, and then oh. her her and her friends switched places. And she got further away from you, and that was the end of the uh the courting. The courting session ended right there. Well, it wasn't courting her, okay? I just wanted to be her friend. <laughs> I wanted to make her love me. Wait a minute, those are way different things. But yeah, that's how it all ended. I it could have been like I don't want to sound like a creepy Drew Barrymore fan or anything, but if I can't have you, no one will. <laughs> something, something like it that. It might have been. Now you're my girl forever. <laughs> it could have been anything, but that was. How I was, that ended. as you know, Bob. Like that era of my life was very difficult as I was trying to. Uh, figure out my life after a painful breakup. I don't, I don't, the audience doesn't want excuses. And, um, I don't have any excuses. No, I know. I wish I remembered though, what the second part was, because how do you like, what was, why set it up? Maybe I said that I would only say, maybe I said that because I wanted to go into part two to take the conversation. I I feel like part two was, I I don't know, but I, I think I remember it was like, it was very understated. It was like, I don't want to come off like a creepy Drew Barrymore fan, but this is a really good song. Like, I think it was something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like something I would do when I was really <laughs> drunk at an open bar at age 25. If it makes you feel better, like half an hour later, 
I was drunkenly talking to Horatio Sands and I remember him just looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And then he walked away. Which is which is saying something with Horatio Sands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were both not in good shape. Yeah. Uh, I have the set list from that night, actually. Somewhere in this garage. Very garage. All right. Very cool. Uh, it was a great night. I don't care. I actually don't care. I'm happy I did it. I would have been more upset if I didn't try know, to talk I to know. her. I just probably should have chosen a better entryway. <laughs> you think? All right. Okay. Final track. Take it or leave it. Yeah. That's to you, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I think we know what she decided to go with. Yeah. And then she left the drummer. I love this song. Me too. I just evacuated my bowels listening to this song. It's weird that the strokes do that to the biggest fans. Strokes are great at the last song. Which is a real skill. It is a real skill. This is a great last song. Uh, Room on Fire, great last song. I think the problem with First Impressions of Earth is they start doing great last songs halfway through the album. Mm. So you start feeling like, oh, that was the last song, but then there's like four more songs Mm -hmm. and you're kind of already spent from it. I think, yeah, I think it's, I I felt like, the third album that you're referring to had a lot of problems, but it also one of the big problems was that, and I'm sure we'll do the second. Yeah, album, I like Robot that. Fire at some oh, yeah, point yeah. As but well. I, was saying, I like first impressions of Earth way more than you do. You've never been. Nah, I feel like they, yeah. that was when they started losing losing the plot to me a little bit. But the first two albums to me are compl- unassailable. Like two, if I had like a list of twenty desert album albums, I think both of them are in it. Uh, certainly this album but uh yeah th- take it or leave it i like also i love when um julian does the the growling yelling thing or he, he just he was obviously never a classically trained singer and he just kind of loses his shit and starts yeah. screaming and stuff i love that too because yeah. again it, it's such a great contrast with the music how concise and uh, meticulously put together that is and then he's kind of just going off the rails at times it's a perfect album my God, it's a perfect album. Is this it? Is this it? And that was it. So now okay, is the... Okay, now is the time. I'm going to say probably the most difficult decision we've had to make. Yes, because I think this is, of the albums that we've talked about, um, maybe throwing Copper, uh, set that aside. That was difficult That was difficult for other reasons. But I'm saying this is the best album uh, that I think that we've talked about yet. Yeah, I so, agree. There's so many great songs to choose from. Uh, now we have to choose just one. We have to come to an agreement. What will be added? And I do love that this song will immediately, um, this will coming out of a live song will roll into a stroke song. What an interesting Spotify playlist this is, Bob. What do you got, Bob? Well, we have to apologize to the strokes for that. You know, like when you have an <laughs> opener, you, you want to just kind of effortlessly go into it. But, um, Selling the drama. I want you. I want you to throw it out first. Okay. I will. I will roll with the one that I hinted at earlier. Uh, is this it? Uh, which I think is. Uh, you were saying that 
that you only live once is kind of the quintessential stroke song i think if you one song to perfectly sum up how beautiful and perfect is this it as an album is it's uh hard to explain for me no i completely get that uh but does that mean you agree you know what i want to agree mm-hmm. but i just can't get over how the usa got boned and I'm nominating <laughs> New York City Cops. Wow, really? Yes. See, now we have a stalemate issue because as much as I do like that song, I believe there are better songs on the album, and it's not even on the release that we knew initially. But we know the song, and it's so damn good. It's kind and of it, a hipster pick. And I it like. gets you excited. A little bit of a hipster pick by you, though? No. It's like, not... let's pick the song that was not actually on the album it's we, on the album everywhere the else in had. the world everywhere else in the world see this is this is controversial it's controversial but i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the spotify play i'm not thinking about myself i'm not thinking about being a hipster i'm thinking about the thousands and thousands and thousands of fans out there that are going to come to the spotify playlist and are going to listen to these songs and that's why <laughs> i'm going to fight you're pounding like the table here america for new york city cops but, all right, Bob. Uh, listen, you gave a great impassioned defense of it. Thank you, America. Uh, it did. It touched upon your punk roots, as we talked about earlier in mm-hmm. the show. Uh, you know, screw the mainstream. We're surfing on the uh, the underground. Uh, but I think we got to stay. I think we got to stay on the original album. So I'm gonna have. I will have to pound the table and say no. We can't, we just can't do it, Bob. I don't feel comfortable with it. I can't. Usually I'll go along because I do like the song a lot. Look, I also bleed red, white, and blue. I don't want to come off like. These colors don't run, man. I don't want to come off like a turncoat. Um, I think due to a technicality, I'm I'm going to give you this on a technicality. (laughs) Hard to explain. Okay. So you're cool with it. I'm cool with it. I'm very weird with it. I'm very cool with it. It's It's one of the best songs on the American Is This It. All right, good. So there you go. That was very big of you, Bob. <laughs> it was big of big of all of us. Um, is this it? Choice is hard to explain. And I'll tell you what, that, that playlist, which is shaping up mighty fine. Mighty fine. You can find it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod. Go on iTunes, subscribe. Tell your friends, especially if they like this album. Uh, Tell Drew Barrymore that I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah, if you know Drew Barrymore, let her know. It was not nothing personal. It was just I was just a kid. Well, it was very personal, but it was it was, you it was an open to bar be. for a twenty-four year old. Open bar. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, for- we, and uh, we the Strokes are so important to us that I'm sure we're going to talk about this band again, um, specifically the follow-up album, but. You never know. Again, we only have four years to live, so I don't know how many episodes we got. So many callbacks here at the end of the episode. (laughs) All right, let's go. All right, that's it. Uh, Till next week, the Throwback Podcast.